You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike or uh, David Hall iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How are you doing, everybody? Gregory Hectus. So is Mike in jail? No, I think he went on a, a hunting trip in Wisconsin, maybe. Uh, that's what the rumor is. Oh, and uh, Kyle Pendergraft. Howdy. So yeah, Mike couldn't make it tonight, so I'll be steering the ship, having a little fun. The father is out, um, so when the father's out, the mice will play. I think Tony's going to be joining us eventually here, too. Yep, I think work got him delayed a bit. So on today's show, we'll be reviewing the dominant win in the Coke Series race at Richmond. We'll also crown a new world champion in the Porsche Series E-Cup, or the Porsche Esports Super Cup, and we'll ask, what feature in iRacing would you like to see next? And remember, you can follow along with us uh, on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see yourself all all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. So our primary sponsor, I'd like to would like to shout out to them first, GridFinder. It's the home of online sim racing leads. GridFinder is also a great resource to find paint designs and race commentators. Recently, they've been adding some great articles discussing various aspects of running leagues in the sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all more reasons to visit www.gridfinder or grid-finder.com. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or, an, or upload your own at GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leads. GridFinder.com So Evan was also not able to make it. He's out on, on the road this weekend. So we're going to do a quicker re- version of the recap. You can hit the script if you want to see the detailed notes. But it, we, as we talked about, it was definitely a dominating performance. Uh, Vicente Salas of Elliott Sports, Elliott Sadler Esports, dominated the race, uh, starting from the pole. Uh, we had fairly low action at the beginning with a, f- a few occasional mishaps, but the real action started to happen with 51 to go as we have a caution for John Golinski in turn four. It all happened after contact with Derek Justice and included David Duvall and Jake Nichols. Yeah, Dave, uh, it, this uh, race started off actually pretty well behaved from everyone, you know, considering uh, Richmond being a short track. Uh, typically, there's a little bit more action, but everybody was pretty um, pretty reserved in the early part of the race, and uh, action really started to heat it up around uh, lap 51. Uh, they actually had an onboard interview with Michael Conti, and uh, Michael Conti said, yeah, he knows how these Richmond races go. These last, uh, the last 50 laps are going to be mayhem, and uh, he pretty much uh, nailed the bullseye on that one. On um, lap 41 was the next time we had some more incidents. So uh, uh, Michael Conte, uh, Garrett Lowe, and six more in a huge crash off, tor- off turn four with 41 to go. 
Yeah, they say cautions breed cautions, and also with it being 41 to go, everybody knows it's go time. And they're probably getting frustrated as it with all of these pro drivers with very similar speeds and sets. It was really tough to pass. Uh, that will lead to stacking it up. So it was a tale of two races for SSG Racing. While Vincente was dominating, Malik Ray was, he gets put into the wall in a JT Doherty racing sandwich that goes, and he goes for a spin to the inside. Then it went uh, green again for a couple more laps, and then another caution comes again when Zach Nichols is in the wall, causing another uh, chain reaction type of incident. Um, this whole time, uh, Vicente Salas is staying right in right on on point. He's getting great restarts and staying in front. Um, <clears throat> and second place was uh, Garrett Maine, who uh, was having battles. Seemed like every time the green flag would drop, uh, him and um, Ryan Luza would be battling pretty hard for second. But Garrett Maine's always uh, seemed to get a little bit of space. And then another caution would come out. And that's what happened to the go with uh, 16 to go. Uh, the battle for second is on. And uh, Ottinger and Hurst trade barbs, but uh, it stays green. That was actually uh, quite an interesting uh, little uh, uh, exchange there between Nick Ottinger and Taylor Hurst. Uh, uh, Taylor uh, gave uh, Ottinger the bumper going into turn two or turn three, and uh, and Ottinger kind of returned the favor, turning him sideways. But uh, he stayed on it. He didn't spin out. So there was a little bit of uh, trading paints right there until the next caution to go with uh, four to go. Yeah, that was quite a save too, considering these are the shorter spoiler cars, so they don't they're not as automatic to straighten themselves out. So that's why these guys are the pros. They got a lot of car control. That four to go caution. It uh, puts uh, Fermi a lot around again on the back stretch. Basically, Lion got squeezed into the wall in a three wide, and and then it chain reacted forward. It actually, and takes Fermi out. Just got he went not Fermi, Femi uh, takes him out. Just in the uh, you know he wasn't really involved in starting the caution, but we know how that all is. You usually just get caught up in other people's mess. Yep. So that brings us to a greenway checker uh, number one, and. Uh, the, the uh, green flag drops. Uh, same pattern repeats itself. Vicente uh, pulls ahead. He gets, he's been having great restarts this whole time through. Uh, Garrett Maine and uh, Ryan Luza battle for second. But Vicente Salas holds on to get win. And uh, with second going to Garrett Maine and third to Ryan Luza. Yep. So it's, it's exciting to see uh, Vicente dominate the race. You know, there there will be. I guess it was a racer's race, is more more than a than a fan's race in some ways, because we, you know, the fan doesn't want to see somebody lead every lap. But on that note, the lap was, or he led every lap, and that's the first time in the history of the Coke Series that a driver has read or has led the entire race. Yeah, and uh, so, and that's the first win for uh, PlayStation or Space Station uh, esports, right? Because isn't that who uh, Vicente is racing for? It is. So, uh, yeah, first win ever for Space Station Gaming. Uh, second went to Garrett Maines, who is with Elliot Sadler, and of course, Ryan Lucy came in third. Um, some really, uh, really good post race interviews. Uh, they talked to uh, <clears throat> to Vicente and. Uh, and he was uh, he, he was talking a whole lot about how much practice they uh, that he did leading up to this race. He said uh, he in his words he said over ten thousand laps. So 
that is some serious work that they put in, and it sure did pay off. He dominated that race, led every single lap from the beginning, um, which is just hard to believe on any race, you know, with cautions that were coming out and things like that happening. Um, it was a fantastic performance by him, and uh, Garrett was right with him, you know, even though they're not Coke teammates, they were teammates with Elliot Sadler uh, in their secondary uh, team. And I'm sure they, they spent a lot of time sharing information because Garrett, if it wasn't for Vicente, Garrett, Garrett Maines would have won this race going away just as much as he did. So what do you guys think about how hard it was for these guys to pass? We've run a few races here uh as well and didn't seem to quite have as much trouble but we discussed the fact that these guys are probably a lot more equally skilled especially at running the short tracks than say somebody in the average mid-split nis race i mean i found it pretty hard to pass uh in the nis race um especially once you got up towards you know top 10 top five it was really hard um there was actually a point where i was falling back a little bit out of the top three and it fell into six. So uh, I can see where it's hard to either A, keep your position, or B, uh, gain position. Yeah, and it's not like they were single file either. Um, you know, the, especially in turns one and two, they would they would fan out quite a bit. A lot of different lines. Some people were going all the way up at the wall. I, saw, I remember seeing uh, uh, Casey Kerwin and uh, Keegan Leahy running up up against that wall a few times, um, while a lot, of, a lot of drivers were down at, down at the uh, yellow line at the bottom. So even though there wasn't a whole lot of pace passing, there wasn't a single defined line. It did seem like all the other lines were just as fast, but it was just still hard to get past anyone. Now, is that a product of their new thing that they're talking about where they've added grip, kind of like a grip strip to some of the tracks? I don't. Has it been added to Richmond or not? I, I, some, I overheard somebody in the, just at some random point say this one hasn't been updated. Okay, so maybe it's just the way that the setups were working. I'm unsure, uh, but it may have been, you know, there was just a lot of fighting in the middle, but, you know, Vicente and, and Garrett, they had the best cars. I bet if they had to come up through the field, they probably would have come up a little bit easier than some of the other guys. You know, it's just any any track, whether whether there's a two groups or not, you're always faster when you when you have – the whole track to use instead of half the track when you're driving side by side with somebody you just can't turn as fast of a lap and uh that brings us actually to the uh, we already talked about the close of the race and the dominating performance and that leaves us after richmond with six drivers that are lined up to race in the 2021 e-nascar coca-cola series playoffs and from their wins alone they also have to be 20 top 20 in the points and all six of them are and only 10 drivers will make the playoffs. And so looking at the current top 10 standings, we have Leahy, Clampett, Lusa, Conti, Salas, and Bryant now locked in as long as they remain in the top 20. Then the top four by points below them is Michael Guest, Stephen Wilson, Bobby Zielinski, and Nick Odinger, with Matt Busa and Corey Vincent sitting right outside the bubble. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I mean, 60% of those uh, playoff spots are already taken. Unless one of those six drivers drops out of the top 20, um, everybody else is fighting for four spots, which is crazy. I mean, we're not even halfway through the season yet. So, um, and, you know, that doesn't even account 
for the road races that are coming up, which you probably will see different winners coming up in there. Um, most likely Bobby Zelensky, or he, he's going to have a real tough battle this year with Mitchell DeJong in the road courses. But uh, one of those two guys wins a race, that's 70% of those uh, spots are taken. So this could get real interesting. There's a real possibility. You could see people who win races and not make it to the playoffs, which is uh, quite an interesting uh Quite an interesting uh, pop proposition, and just goes to show you the depth of this this field here. Well, the way you're talking about that too, Brian. Like, if you're thinking about uh, the thing that intrigues me the most is what you were talking about there with the road courses. This might actually be a year that the road courses come into come into play, um, where it's not you know, like you said, Zelinsky running away with it. He might actually have a challenger. Um, and making it more interesting to uh, to get through it, but I think they're having in the Coke Series. Obviously, they don't have as many tracks, but uh, or as races, but it's kind of shaping up the same way as the Cup Series is. Where what do they have? Seven winners and eight races in the Cup Series, and then they got how many was it in this? Uh, six different winners. So yeah, far. so they got six different winners already. Like you can run out of spots real quickly if you're not careful with good drivers. Yeah, that's that's. There's no doubt about that. Um, so this was this is the first year that they've done the win and you're in. So um, uh, Bobby Zielinski used to have to race his way in, even though he would win a road course. Uh, this year, if he wins a road course, he is going to be in technically. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting coming up in the uh, as we get close to the halfway. We're not even really that close to halfway through the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. And, uh, you know, you almost wonder if they're regretting doing this when you're in um, because it might eliminate – the field might be beset three-quarters of the way through the season before they even get to the playoffs. Well, it's definitely going to lead to an exciting storyline even before we get to the playoffs. So I like it. I like the fact that it's going to be harder to get in the playoffs rather than easier because – uh, even with even with the win on your end, you still have to be at that top twenty as well. Uh, so we look forward to seeing how the rest of the season goes. And congratulations again to Vicente and all the team for uh, bringing home that win. That'll move us on to the Porsche Esports Super Cup, and Brian's going to tell us about that. Yeah, guys. So uh, they were at Le Mans this past uh, Saturday. This is around nine of ten. So this isn't the really the uh, the last week of the season. They still have one more to go. But the points championship has already been taken by Josh Rogers, who has just been having an unbelievable season. So consistent, always in the top, and uh, he's actually uh, wrapped up the championship after week after round nine uh, by winning a doing a double he won the sprint race and he went on to win the uh the main feature race so he was just totally dominant once again this this uh this past week he wraps up the championship he is the uh porsche esports super cup tag hoyer champion for the second time he won the inaugural one sebastian job won last year and uh so uh, this was a this was a quite a quite a nice race um and Le Mans is really interesting in these cars because uh, those long straightaways in the back section of the track uh, created a, a lot of a lot of things you see in NASCAR with the drafting um, and uh, cars kind of really coming all together in big groups. 
and uh, it caused a lot of a lot of uh, it was a lot of excitement based on that, and a lot of people taking extra chances. Sebastian Jubb uh, tried to tried to pull off a move that was w- a little bit too aggressive, and wound up wound up costing him a chance in the uh, second main race where he was a uh, created an incident. Um, so it was it was a really fantastic race to watch. Uh, Josh Rogers uh, is is the champion. They'll be going to Monza next week, which is all just a formality. Uh, he can't be caught, and uh, so he's going to take the championship. Uh, one thing I'd like to talk about this race, which was kind of interesting, was um, the announcing team was very very conscious not to mention the twenty four hours of Le Mans. It's like they weren't even allowed to say that. They talked about the endurance race at Lamont or the endurance race here. They did not were not allowed to say that. And we know that there's been that um, exclusivity contract that that another company has signed with Lamont for that event. And uh, apparently that trickles down all the way to the announcers and what they can say on these broadcasts. Yeah, that was interesting because when I saw that they were running at Lamont, I was like, hey, that means we can actually still use the track. Right. So they'll be able to have official racing on there and and top series racing. But the it's like the copyright guys specifically want that 24 hour event and are threatening to hunt anybody down with a with a lawsuit if they go that route. So will they have to rename it to a different series or a different you know event? It'll be like this just won't be Lamar. It'll just name it something else or. They'll really, really run like a 20-hour event on it or 23-hour event. I don't see a 24 ever happening there unless it's cleverly worded, I guess. Yeah. 20, 25 hours, 24 and a half, 23 hours and 59 minutes. Yeah. Now, Brian, looking at Josh Rogers' uh, Twitter here, uh, has, is he going to make the race with a concussion next week? Yeah, so Josh Rogerson, he posted a tweet uh, on his uh, on his Twitter page of uh, his teammates at Coanda, you know, giving him a uh, you know throwing him up in the air like uh, for his championship effort, and it did not go well. It did not go well at all. They better not get blood on that uh, nice carpet. It won't really look very good on that carpet. The red with purple. <laughs> It'd kind of go black, wouldn't it? I don't know. My my degrees in music, not art. It would just be a dark spot, yeah. <laughs> they need to get those crew guys in there to throw him around. You know, the changers and the gas haulers. Those guys can handle him. Well, another an example of a dominating performance on iRacing. Then we had the Porsche All-Stars. And, uh, Brian, you're going to go ahead and pick this one up too, right? Yeah, so the All-Star race, again, also at Le Mans. Uh, the feature race went to Dan Suzuka. Uh, second place went to Conan and- Tony Kanan. So he's still, he's been very consistent running these all-star races. So, you know, it wasn't just a one and done type thing. And, um, you know, uh, third place went to Matt Malone, the uh, streamer extraordinaire. And uh, the sprint race before that was won by Emily Jones. And uh, she's actually leading the points going into the final round of the all-star race. She's got the inside line to take the championship for the all-stars. So uh, next week, that's the only uh, championship that will be up for grab, or two weeks, I should say, two weeks from now. That's the only championship that will be up for grab when they go to Monza. Um, And they will be uh, driving in the Porsche Super Cup, uh, Porsche uh, Cup car, the 911 Cup, because uh, that's the one that the fans voted for them. 
Well, now that you mentioned that, uh, I'm going to jump off script a little bit. Uh, we'll come back to that one, Kyle. But let's go ahead and talk about the no new Porsche, Brian, since you mentioned that. Yeah, so uh, we had a uh, some people in the forums last week. They were speculating that you know that they didn't. They had a to be de- a to be determined status for the final cup. Front, front kind of final car in the Porsche Super Cup series. And uh, he speculated that that could be the unleashing of a new Porsche car. Well, that didn't quite happen. So it was a fan vote. So that last car uh, for the last race of the season in the All-Star race was, deter- was determined by the fan vote. And they uh, actually uh, voted for the 911 cup car so uh no new porsches coming i know we talked about it a little bit last week some people might be disappointed but that's the way it was it was done they should have voted for the 919 and i don't think anybody's nobody's run the 919s right they've only done the yeah sedan no right? the, the prototypes just don't get get run in the pro series very much they don't mm-hmm. they don't i don't know i don't know if they think they're not realistic enough or just too complicated to set up so as we continue to talk about the Porsche races, uh, Kyle, we had some intense battling on this uh, video here from iRacing.com. Yeah, iRacing posted uh, on their Twitter a video, and I'm not too sure which lap this was, but this was the battle between first, second, and third, and it was a battle. I mean, there was door banging, there was drafting, all down the back stretch there at Le Mans, and I've never seen racing that intense in those cars before, so it was pretty neat to watch. They're yeah. sorry, David. They're uh, those cars. They're such a handful, and to to, to woe them up for those cor- like to have that speed carrying down the straightaway and and bang like that. Like these guys are top notch drivers for for being able to hold it on a track like that. Like that car is so unbalanced in the rear um, if you're not careful, and to fly through those corners the way they do and not worry about you know doing it by yourself is one thing, but when you got someone hounding you. It's it's another thing in that car. That car is one truly one of the hardest cars that I've driven to 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 learn in this on the sim, just because of the, the how loose it is. And at that track somewhere in France, right? Uh, you make a mistake on some of those corners, and you have these huge long straights that just amplify that mistake and make you pay for it. Well, imagine if they actually spun each other. So I did something on the backstretch there with the amount of cars that were how fast they were coming. They would have, that would have been a huge wreck. Yeah, that backstretch looked a lot like a plate race. That's how that's how close they were driving together and clumping up. So, uh, yeah, a, a bad wreck there could have really caused some serious mayhem. And that's true. Uh, as far as plate racing goes, there is, uh, with the, especially with the smaller cars, but even, even with the more downforce cars, there is a big draft factor on those straightaways. You can feel it whenever you catch somebody and usually turn your fastest laps if you've got a good toe for the stretches. So Porsche Sports or Porsche Super Cup driver Kevin Ellis also posted a video, Kevin Ellis Jr. Uh, he posted it on the Apex Racing TV YouTube channel and he called it preparing for the PESC. It's, uh, it tracks the RLL driver in the week leading up to the big race at Le Mans on Saturday or at somewhere in France. Yeah, this is a be interesting video. I mean, it goes like day by day what his routine is preparing for these races. Um, it's a pretty intense process. Uh, you know, these guys really, really put a lot of time into this. Um, 
and they have to be because it's so competitive. Everybody's so good. You need every little edge that you can get to to race with these uh, with this, these top drivers. And uh, yeah, it, so it's a good video, and it really shows you how he prepares for a race on Saturday. Uh, at all these upper level series now, these guys are the pros, um, and whether it is NBA, NFL, Coke Series, NASCAR Cup. They have to put in insane amounts of time to reach that level of talent plus skill. There's a lot of people with the talent who don't have who don't have the practice etiquette to maximize that talent. Um, so when they get there, they've earned it. And and these guys can, you know, a NASCAR, you know, a cup driver in, in real real life NASCAR, they can't go hop on a track and race for six hours, practice for six hours before an event. You know, they have their simulators and stuff, uh, but I'm I'm a, you know I'm sure that's not exactly the same as what they do on on the race day, where uh, these these uh, sim racers, you know, they can simulate the. Uh, conditions and their tracks and everything's exactly the same so they're getting one for one type practice and they they use use it to the mat and they have unlimited amounts of it before leading up to a race day so you know they take advantage advantage of that opportunity which you know real drivers don't have that kind of practice opportunities so they 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 take that opportunity and use it to the very max yeah, the the real drivers probably have gained, gained most of their practice from early experience at the short tracks where you can put in more time, as well as they, they don't just do time in the simulator. They do film study. They have to debrief with their crew chief. Uh, so there's they have their obligation and time that they have to take as well. But they are actually kind of – they are missing that advantage of being able to actually practice exactly what they're going to do in the competition. Yeah, I think how much, how much setup – testing they can do you know they've got to be doing all kinds of small changes running a whole bunch of laps it does, you know testing testing setups is not like a one lap one lap type of uh, test you got to run that thing for quite a bit to see how how it responds not just on a short term but into a longer run you know so that takes a lot of time and i think that's really where they spend most of their time on these on on testing setups um to, to really dial it in the way they want it to be. And uh, that's, it's, it's just very, it's a very dedicated um, what they have to do to get prepared and get, be competitive in these races. It takes a lot of dedication. It is definitely the real thing. All right. Speaking of one of our sim racers who also does the real thing, we have some uh, not so great news from uh, uh, actually Greg's going to take this one. So, our one of our favorite uh, sim racers, uh, Timmy Hill, is uh, he wasn't on the uh, driver lineup for uh, Martinsville this weekend, um, and it turns out that uh, he's probably going to be miss more likely to miss more than just the Martinsville race this weekend. It sounds like he's uh, got a little bit of trouble, uh, you know, being able to enter for some of these races. We were talking about this pre-show a little bit. Did he actually just fail to qualify, or did they just did they just have funding too too low to even come to the race? It says in the article that it sounds like they just weren't able to uh, um, were not on the entry list. So that obviously they didn't even make an attempt to get there the weekend. So obviously 
it's probably a money and sponsorship uh, obligations. He was maybe he was you know started the season hoping to because he was on the schedule for running all thirty six races, but you know if you start the season and try and find sponsorship uh, as you go, and maybe it just it fell through and they couldn't find the money. I mean, Junior was even talking about this on his podcast about you know you always try and you don't you know you can fill the season up kind of with sponsorship, but you kind of started off and hopefully keep trying and begging and borrowing and trying to find money for sponsors if you can um, to pay the bills. And maybe I just caught up with them finally, probably the first time in a long time that he hasn't been able to make the field. Yeah, they talk specifically about um, uh, how they'll get asked, well, why don't you just give this guy a ride? Why don't you get, just give this a ride? And they, they simply can't afford to put him in the car if they don't have uh, sponsorship support. It's just too expensive, too expensive of a project. The worst part of this is, and, you know, we know how motorsports works. You know, you bring money in and that's how you, you can sometimes get a ride. But, you know, this guy deserves to be racing. And there's probably hundreds of drivers that this has happened to that deserve to drive. Hundreds and thousands of drivers probably over the years that deserve to drive and, and, and drive in a good car over some people. But he just hasn't gotten the opportunity that's kind of, you know, he made his name on the the – I racing portion last season and did really well, but you know, he, he just needs that shot and it looks like maybe, maybe his, his, uh, cup rides are coming to an end. I know he's still running trucks and stuff under his own label. Is he not? Yeah. I'm not too sure what he's running in, in the other series. To be honest with you. I think he still has his own trucks truck. Well, I'll continue to root for him and hope he can get some sponsors behind him. Uh, maybe uh, iRacing can jump on his bandwagon for a few races. But uh, that does point to the one kind of great thing of iRacing over the real-life racing is the talent has a little bit better chance of rising to the top, even though you still need the setup help uh, and, and teammates. And, uh, unless you can do it yourself, it's just not, it's not as money-dependent yet, right? You got guys that can. Isn't Timmy one of the guys that still runs a G twenty nine or G twenty seven wheel? The G twenty seven, I thought. Yeah. That's um. They they talked a little bit about this on the Door Brown Clear show about uh, how with this COVID stuff that these these big sponsors, you know, they get their 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 product on the cars, but they're not getting all the other residual things that they pay for. Um, you know, the appearances, the driver appearances, the signings and stuff like that. The sponsors don't get access to the garage, which is always a big uh, lure for people willing to put money out into these, this sport. Um, so uh, they were making a really good point about how how this uh, pandemic has affected uh, this uh, the series with uh, as far as money goes and sponsorship goes and who knows that, that could have had something to do with with timmy hill some of the bigger sponsors you know they're they can take a little bit of a hit on those kind of things and still keep keep plugging away but maybe a smaller sponsor who who really was looking forward to those extra benefits that have been taken away they they don't have that availability and they're less likely to pump the money in Yeah, well, speaking of pumping money we've got somebody uh that the uh, guest, the Camping Real CEO, is willing to pump some money towards a paint scheme designer for Daniel Suarez at their Darlington race. 
Yeah, I think we need to put this guy's name on like a, a loop that we just play each podcast. So he's always got something coming up um, with some kind of sponsorship deal, some kind of money deal. And this can be to, I guess, anybody in the world who can design a paint scheme uh, to go on Daniel Swartz's, uh Darlington car. Um, so if you get a creative mind and you want $5,000, I suggest you put that pen to paper and see what you come up with. This... Is this for the throwback weekend, or is this the other? Because there's two Darlington this year, right? Yeah, oh, there's two for Darlingtons. The five, but it is for the five. Well, it doesn't say specifically. It just says Darlington, doesn't it? Yeah. So this must be the because the it's the fall race that's the throwback weekend. Yeah, it's always during the uh, championship run. I'm thinking uh, a good paint scheme for this for Daniel Suarez's car would be like a little campfire. So that when his car catches on fire, it'll look really good, um, <laughs> like a like a real campfire going on. They can have marshmallows roasting and uh, s'mores ready. So uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm coming up with something here. So it would amplify the actual fire then. So so what you're saying is iRacing is going to have to like use this as one of their base paints then too, because iRacing supports the fire. <laughs> exactly. If anybody knows what we're talking about, but. <laughs> Now Daniel Suarez is going to be coming after us on Twitter as well. There's no bad press, right? Sounded like hey. uh, Junior took a shot at him on his podcast, kind of like a, a small shot. No, it's good to see that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Bobby on our team would have a, an opinion on this. Um, I know there was some uproar about some of these contests that this guy's running, but I, you know, if there's money on the line, might as well, you know, throw your hat in the ring and try and. Uh, create a paint yeah i don't want to i can't speak to the controversy specifically because i missed some of the details uh so if y'all want to ask bobby what what the issue was i don't even remember if it was from this guy or something for a different contest but something happened that same guys kind of made him frown a little bit yeah but uh snake get get your design in there if you want to do it uh i get this next one and i saw this video and i was like i felt just this wash of vindication go over me as I read this. Um, so IMSA driver uh, and sim racer Daniel Morden, he posted a video on iRacing's YouTube channel with tips for endurance racing. And he had five maiden tips that had to do with racing etiquette, patience and consistency, managing traffic, saving equipment, and the mindset. And a lot of them are, you know, you're pretty good big picture racecraft. But he specifically brought up an issue that that is probably 50% of the time that I end up with damage and ready to protest somebody why it has happened, you know. And um, it has to do with when you're the slower class managing traffic and not turning down on the car in the apex if the faster car has is already beside you. And he specifically says if they're that to that point you should break a little earlier so that you can both go through the entire corner and lose less time. If you go in side by side, you're either going to wreck or you're going to lose more time. But what a lot of these, a lot of the slower cast drivers, especially when they have a higher I rating and they see a faster class car driver with a lower I rating, they're like, well, you don't deserve to pass me unless you wait till a straightaway. And if you try to make a move, a safe move on the inside, they'll just turn down and wreck you and say you're passing them in an unsafe way, which is not true. And I just, I just felt so vindicated when I watched this video. And David, just so you know, it's David or it's Daniel Morad, 
not moran it's moran ah, okay it's that's a typo, typo in the script yep um no this is a good video you know i wish there would be some more of these other it's good that other streamers and uh professional drivers are going over stuff like this but this video should like don't you think some of these videos should be on the briefing page when you sign up for a race? So if guys, if somebody wants, you know, you can see the map of the track and stuff, but some of these etiquette videos on how to run some of these tracks, I think these videos should exist in iRacing already as something you can brush your skills up on, on the briefing uh, portion of the website before a race, if you really want to look into some stuff. Yeah, that could really save some headaches. It's been quite a few years since I first started doing the multi-class racing, and I don't remember where I found them, even what uh, platform I found them on. But there was a set of tips and tricks on running the IMSA series. And th when I first started, I ran GT3 first, so I was the slowest car out there. And I remembered basically somebody else giving the exact same tip. It basically said, if you see the cars, he's in a position to make a move, don't go side by side, check up early. And you both hit, and that way you both can hit the apex. So the tip's been out there before. I wish I could remember where it came, but yeah, this definitely, it should almost be required reading to run IMSA, because so, um, it's it's a whole different set of etiquette. Uh, you got to be predictable, but at the same time, you've not got to, you've got to also be, still be courteous. And it's the responsibility of working the pass is on both cars it's the the faster class has to be safe and then the uh slower class has to be predictable and then respond predictably to what the faster class car has done now when we're not talking about some crazy late dive bomb after the the fat slower class has no chance to make the corner unless unless they turn on the apex but um there are some situations where the slower class is going to lose a little time and there's going to be some situations where the faster class is going to lose a little time and there's some a lot of really good videos that ha that are out there that cover it so if they if they could um if somebody could curate those that would be pretty neat like they could do this for every series because you could explain for rally what the um the joker lap is and how that works in the NASCAR stuff, you can show for flags, um, you know, what happens on a green white checkers, how to line up. Like there could just be a whole bunch of these educational videos that are there, um, you know, to help the new, new, new people out. And, you know, cause there's a lot of this stuff is, is hidden. Even those, um, what were they manuals that they were making for each car where I haven't seen them add one in a while um for that even like they had like five or six that we covered on the podcast here but some of this stuff you just they need to update where you can learn about these cars more rather than you know you ask a question in the forums and you get like 50 answers negatively and then you get one that's the actual right answer so i just think that they could help out with some of these things with just video instructional videos like this and even if they ask you know get anthony alfredo to do something for the nascar get you know, you know, Daniel Morad here's made one for IMSA or European series stuff. You can, you know, update those on the page. It, I think this, these would be very beneficial to the actual sim to have it all. Definitely. Definitely. So Brian, tell us a little bit about Chicago. 
Yeah, so uh, Steve Meyer posted on Twitter that he thinks this uh, iRacing Chicago street circuit that we talked about and we saw a little preview of is going to be stunning. He, he uh, really praised his graphic artist, Ben uh, Paddington, who, for his work, um, he showed a picture of the Bowman statue, which is a Native American uh, statue with uh, um, on a horse, and showed his uh, artist's rendering of it. And uh, just to give you a preview of some of the uh, uh, street side uh, or track side um, graphics that are going to be involved in this uh, build. And yeah, it looks like it's, uh, it's come along really well. They're not sparing any detail for sure. This is not going to be a tech track in any in any shape or form. This is going to be a full blown, fully developed, uh, uh, highly ambianced uh, track, and and uh, they're definitely uh, going going deep into the detail. And you know what? Cue the uh, complaining crowd that's going to complain that they're spending too much time on details like this and not on the clouds or uh, realistic of the track dynamic or the tire model. Oh, the tire model, or the the damage model, or or the what? broken cautions. <laughs> so you know, kudos to iRacing for just you know they make these tracks look as close to being authentic as they possibly can, even with them making up. You know, this track's something that they're working on that doesn't even exist on something that we've raced on. It's something that they're creating that is real life, but we they've never raced on. So you know, creating a I remember when we watched the video of it, it kind of looked bare in the background. So some of this detail will be interesting to see how they finish it up. Plus, your graphic artist is not going to be somebody you can pull off to start working on tire physics, right? Yeah, no. I think that's that's right. No, that's in uh, was it Dave Cam- or Dave Camber's office with the tire tread on his desk pulled apart? Isn't that who's the guy that does it? It's Dave Camber's, right? Yeah. It's David Cameron has uh, like tires cuts in half. Yeah, all sitting over on his desk, desk and stuff like, like that. Great, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so um, they definitely look like they're going all out on this track, which is kind of unusual for um, a track that's not even officially made yet. Um, I, I would almost have thought this would be like a tech type track, but now, uh, but I think it has to do with uh, you know NASCAR's interest in actually having a race here, that they're going through all this extra detail. And, and uh, really fine-tuning this thing. It'll be neat to see. Maybe we could uh, get seat covers in iRacing as well. Or, I don't know. Or maybe we just need one for this real seat. So, uh, I'm going to butcher the... Is it Alex Papini? Um, he ordered a, a black NRG Ultra seat. Um, but he obviously got the uh, Coanda uh, Motorsports uh, seat uh, in the mail instead for him because he show- a purple one showed up uh, by mistake. Uh, rather than waiting a month for the problem to be resolved, I guess he was asking if he could get uh, a black energy cover to replace the purple. I don't know why, you know, is the color really that important to him maybe when he's sitting on it, I guess? I mean, it looks interesting in purple. The color's important, but you want to get what you ordered. But at the same time, he doesn't want to have to wait another month to get his seat. So, Right, because w- he's probably, he's probably have to send that back, wait for them to receive it, then wait for another one to be uh, released. That He could be without a month, a month without a seat. So, you know, I, I don't know what to tell him. Um, 
I have a I have an NRG Prisma instead of the Ultra, but it's very similar, and uh, I can't think of any way to cover it that's going to look halfway decent. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to tell this guy other than uh, it sucks to be you. <laughs> now my question is. He obviously ordered this off of Amazon. Does the energy seat not have another website it's from? So if they're switching, it would be switched through Amazon. Well, the seat probably has multiple vendors, so I can't tell. I don't know if we can tell who it actually came from as far as Amazon, because Amazon doesn't just directly shop everything themselves. They they have a lot of partners as well. Right. It's just uh, they're just a middleman for another vendor who's selling it through Amazon. A lot of a lot of companies are doing that just for the exposure on their website and Amazon gets their cut. So, um, yeah, I mean, I still don't know how he could resolve that situation uh, uh, and still have a seat while while it's being resolved. He's either going to have to use his purple seat, just just deal with it, I guess, or. We're just going to have to wait. I mean, maybe he can get a junkyard seat or something real cheap that he could do temporary for a little bit of time. I don't know. I would try getting on with the, with the management of the company and saying, hey, send me the black seat, then I'll send you the blue seat back or purple seat. Yeah, that. I mean, unless he wants to pay for the seat twice, I don't know how. I don't know if, it's, if a company would do that. It's just too much risk on their end of not getting it back. But. Uh, I guess it's possible. I kind of like the purple, though. If you look, at it kind of... I don't know what his room and his rig stuff looks like, but the purple doesn't look that half bad. Obviously, you're sitting on it and facing away from it, so you're not going to see it only when you're out, out of your rig. I don't know. I just yeah. think it looks good. But anyways, yeah. if, if if he needs to switch it, he obviously needs to switch it. It drove me nuts in my VR. I just I couldn't tolerate it. <laughs> hey, Kyle. Yeah, t- I think... I think real quick, the only other thing you could do is just buy another one and wait till that one comes in to send that one back. That's the only other thing I could think you could do. Well, and it's um, it's uh, if it's Amazon, he probably would get it in a decent amount of time, and you'd hope. I mean, it just depends, obviously, on the vendor too, right? Yep. Not all the, not all these secondary vendors are uh, obligated to be Prime type shipping. I did order a set of uh, elbow sleeves to help with this uh, bicep strain that I was fighting with a couple months ago. Um, I ordered the wrong size. Yeah, <laughs> ordered the wrong size. I thought the smalls would fit. They didn't. So I had to bump up the size. Uh, so I, I, it's pretty, the return policy is pretty simple. You just print the label. And as soon as the label is scanned by UPS, they gave you the ref- they give you the refund. Wait, 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 wait. What, what, what do you bench? Uh, 275. Are you like this guy that I used to work with? He he was a big guy, but he always ordered shirts in in small so that they looked like they were really tight on them. Mediums. Well, I, <laughs> mediums. The, uh, I wear. It's my. You know, I'm I'm still pretty small, so I thought it would be the. I thought it would fit, and it didn't. I just I couldn't even get him on. Mike's never gonna let us host this again without him. <laughs> no. Well. Uh, tell us about the Bristol Bash, Kyle. I, I can't come up with a better transition right now. <laughs> no, you're good. All right, so we are taking iRacing from your PC to the real life dirt at Bristol. Um, World of Outlaws late models uh, Twitter posted Josh Richards took his race sponsored or iRacing sponsored dirt late model to Victory Lane at the Morton Building's World of Outlaws Bristol Bash, and uh, 
looks good sitting there in victory lane with the eye racing wrap all around it uh, i'm a big fan of it, especially with the number 14 that's that's my number there i think uh doesn't boyer own that car i think he does doesn't he yeah it's a boyer's car I was going to say, uh, he better be careful with that sword. When He he almost tripped onto the roof when he was trying to get the sword out. <laughs> he he could have dabbed himself. I wonder if that's a plastic sword. I don't know. <laughs> Is that like when they give the guns at Texas? Exactly. <laughs> They're not Cap loaded. Gun. Well, I don't know about the sword that's there, but the sword that uh, one of the cup drivers or national drivers one they actually had a video with him opening the opening a, a coke can with it or a beer can with his sword oh that was logano actually wasn't it they did a bunch of tricks with his sword that he won at bristol that's, yeah after bristol that's yeah. the one where logano stabbed it into the dirt track that's the only one i've seen yeah he did a whole bunch at the uh with penske outside of penske's facility they did a pr thing about it anyways so obviously uh talking about that dirt race and stuff like that the biggest accomplishments obviously that's probably one of joey's probably highlights of his career but uh driver landon huffman posted on twitter what's your biggest i racing accomplishment and i think we you know we cover this every time we interview somebody that we you know we try and what's your biggest i racing moment what is uh should we should we all talk about this or is you know or just you know food for thought here uh, this just makes us go back and I'll kind of rehash our interviews, I guess. I don't know if we if we want to go down there, but uh, if y'all haven't seen his tweet, go in there and reply. He's already got six two hundred and sixty two replies, though. Uh, we probably talked with Kyle most recently about his, right? Yeah, yeah. Mine was the uh, the win at Talladega backwards in the trucks. Mine's kind of shifted. Uh, I think the just farming like seven hundred I rating at Amola was pretty crazy. See, I've been on the sim for so long. I just don't, I can't even think of, you know, the biggest thing that I thought was pretty sick was our second place in the 24 hours this year, the way we did that as a team. Um, I thought that was pretty, I mean, that's not an individual accomplishment for myself, but we all raced really well. And I thought I, I for myself, I felt like I handled that race pretty well. Um, and my biggest accomplishment, I guess, there was, having real drivers try and figure out my line to try and fit, speed them up. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty exciting moment. You've got that's that. You got that video gonna, evidence. Gonna... You got video evidence of Landon Castle having you as his example of how to drive the track. Yeah, I was going to remind you of that if you didn't bring it up, but yeah, that's a pretty good one. I think Brian's biggest accomplishment is all of his equipment. Yeah, just buying stuff. That's pretty much it. I'm really good at buying stuff. <laughs> his biggest accomplishment is his wallet. <laughs> I get the next item, and we're talking real-world driver Christopher Mice. Is that how it's pronounced? Or Mies? Mize. It's probably Mize. It, it must be Mize. I don't, I'm not familiar with his name. Sorry. But uh, he tweeted that he just got back on iRacing after a year and was surprised to see how far off the tire model was still. And he was even offering to help make improvements. I think there's a whole bunch of form threads that are at, uh, trying to figure out how to make improvements. Now he can just throw his hat in the ring to try and add to it because, you know, you go in every day, you can find new people complaining about it. Yeah, and I can also go in every day and find people saying how close to real life it is. So, you know, um, maybe it has to do with with uh, his particular feel in a car. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, 
no disrespect, but I don't think he's going to be doing any coding for these uh, for a tire model. I mean, I don't know how he's going to help in that way. I'm assuming he's just helping with uh, testing out things and let them know if it feels like it's real or not. You know, yeah. so I'm sure they've definitely got plenty of guys doing that, right? Uh, Malik it runs real cars, doesn't he? Uh, who else is sneaking? Who, who else has been running in the late models lately? And of course, you've got people like Timmy Hill running both the sim and the and the car. Though he probably doesn't get to know what it feels like to run in good equipment in real life but uh uh they definitely have a lot of people testing and they're always working on the on the model so uh i'm sure they'll yeah, and, and, they may ask him but we'll see and with with their uh with their lineup of drivers that are on the sim they have plenty of people they have dale earnhardt jr i'm sure who can test tire models until tell you if it uh, feels right or not you know they have i'm sure they have a lot of professional drivers at their um at their uh, fingertips to to uh, call upon to, to test things out that they're working on. Um, Kyle Larson was huge in developing the dirt light, dirt dirt uh, tires and stuff. So yeah, um, I don't know. I just think it's a probably more of an opinion thing for him that he doesn't think it's quite right. Um, I think other pro drivers probably think it's better than others. So now to yeah. and to play devil's advocate, we all put in our opinions and we'll criticize iRacing when we see we, something we don't like but at the same time we do an iRacing podcast which means yes we, we, we disclaimer this all the time that yeah we're still pretty much iRacing fanboys right he's he's been off here but he does it does it in real life too so who knows uh, the opinion may not agree with it but he's okay to say it how about some dirt car updates Brian yeah, so this is kind of unexpected for uh, like a mid mid season uh, deal, because um, Stafford Christian Challenger he posted in the forums that uh, they are pleased to be able to tell you all that you will find updates to the dirt late model and streak stock uh, dirt car tires in this next hot fix patch. So uh, yeah, so I mean, this is like a rework of the dirt model tire and. Uh, <clears throat> and they just released it like mid mid season, which is uh, unusual. Um, so uh, there's been some guys who've been trying it out um, and seeing how it feels. Uh, I, I've heard good things in the forum. I've seen good things in the forums and a couple of videos I've I've seen. Uh, so yeah, so the new tire. Apparently, some of the old um, setups you have are not going to work. The ride heights and cross weights are not going to. Uh, past the uh, inspection so you're gonna have to if you have your old setups are gonna have to be tweaked to get them to work properly with this new model did you browse the replies to see if chris responded to it the the guy we were i the guy we were just talking about in the last article no no <laughs> chris mize he was talking about uh, the road tires anyway i think yeah that one landed so flat we're we're doomed we're gonna all get fired Mike's going to kill us. If something happens, I'm sorry, guys. We're breaking it down? Or no, Kyle's going to tell us about breaking it down. Yeah, I'll tell you about breaking it down. Um, so uh, Tommy Brandon breaks down the new Dirt Late Model Tire model and <clears throat> gives it his high remarks, especially in the feel of the right rear tire uh, on the cushion. So as we've been mentioning, you know, they're reworking the tire models. And uh, it looks like Tommy Brandon actually gives it, a, you know, a, a big thumbs up on this one. So uh, 
I might get back into slinging some mud and seeing how it feels. Yeah, he actually had a pretty clever way of uh, posting it on his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he has a new tire, and it's a picture of a brand new Hoosier with a cross-threaded cross grip, and the old tire is a brick. So uh, he's basically saying the old tire drove like a brick, and the new one feels like a real a real dirt tire. So uh, he, he was apparently pretty impressed with uh, how this new tire is handling. And I did watch a little bit of this video, and, and he, that's the thing that he mentioned is that you know the right rear is where you get uh, where where dirt drivers get the feel because that's the one that's you know either not gripping or gripping. That's what hooks you up, and uh, so. When he said that the uh, the feel of the right real tire, especially when you're grabbing the chin, you can really really feel it grab. That's a big plus for a for a dirt driver for finding speed, um, and it's actually going to make this uh, new next season of the World of Outlaws could be really interesting too. Uh, see see how the because they're going to have to rework setups and everything else, and uh, so that could throw a lot of monkey wrenches in how that series unfolds. It's quite interesting uh, the way you're looking at this. Uh, that way that they're designed, this, they're calling it a brick on the old tires. Used to be what the car tomorrow used to feel like when they first brought out uh, that car and on the tires. And then they started bringing out these new tire models, and then they were getting better and better. But that old that old tire model, like from the, even on the asphalt side, was very very brick feeling. Is what <laughs> I get what he's saying here. Um, so. Good video. I hope uh, I hope the dirt gets good for a lot of these guys because the dirt dirt racing is exciting. Um, for the little amount that I've been part of, I've had much. I've had some fun on it, but I would even I couldn't even tell you what they're supposed to feel like. Well, we talked about this last week, and we have another tweet from Anthony Alfredo about his r- real life and in in i racing paint job. Yeah, so uh, he posted out that. Uh, that if you want to drive his uh, iRacing paint scheme that he raced at Martinsville this past week, uh, it's now available in Trading Paints. So so that's pretty cool. We remember seeing uh, he did a side-by-side with his real car and his uh, virtual car, and they look pretty much dead on. Um, but now you can drive it too. All you got to do is uh, go in through Trading Paints, look up for look up the uh, Anthony Alfredo uh, car, and uh, you should be able to track it down and, and race his car. I'm sure uh, a lot of the Alfredo fans. Um, I forget what he calls them. He has. He actually has a name for his community now. But I'm sure a lot of them will love to rain that in a few of their races and then shoot it to him in their Discord. Next up, we have the release notes from Patch Three Hotfix One. It's a pretty small one. Uh, there's some corrections or improvements in the UI uh, behavior. It has to do mostly with window sizes. Uh, there was an issue where early vehicles in multi-class sessions were being able to come out behind uh, vehicles. Let's see. Let me read it a more a little more clearly. It fixed an issue with early release of missed start vehicles. Yeah, basically this was happening where you could be a GT3 car and you could get out of the pits before the GT3s even got to the start finish line, and they've they've worked on that issue. They fixed a crash bug with hybrid vehicles. They have made the ambient crowd noises less repetitive and given all everyone new topics to talk about. So all the guys that they use for the PA voices, they probably put in uh, new sounds for them. We have some, There's some control updates and some telemetry updates. Uh, dirt late 
tire or the dirt late model tire model and dirt street stock tire model. We already talked about that. Some setup changes to some cars, and they pulled the name off of the front, off of the cowl of the uh, cup cars. Um, I think that's basically, I guess, in response to a lot of people complaining that they were using that as a either league sponsorship or car sponsorship area. Um, and uh, Greg, the next item we have is the windshield woes. Uh, Brian Simpson posted in the forums, uh, while implementing the Darlington package, he thought it was a perfect opportunity to put the names on the, uh, on the windshield as we try to stay up to date with the current season. Unfortunately, uh, completely forgot about the Coke series, which requires the logo on the front windshield. So that's why it's not on, obviously, is what they're saying there because of the Coke series. Coke series is king, so I would probably say so. I guess it's just a um, just a little bit of insight, I guess, into why it's not on there from uh, staff member Brian Simpson. Well, it's it's exactly like when we run the the major series, we'll have major series up there instead of the cup series as well. It's a it's just a place where you can put in league sponsors instead of instead of being stuck with the cup series logo. So. Yeah, that they may have overlooked that. Definitely, Coke Series is a big deal. Uh, you know, it's a matter of graphics, but I think I like being able to put the name there if I want, or put something else there if I want. Yeah, it should be kind of just like a, your own paintable area, or if, it, like you said, the, the league wants to cover it up with their sponsorship. All right, Brian, take the next one. So yeah, so apparently uh, that new Logitech TrueForce feedback system is causing some serious crashes for a lot of the members. So um, they actually wound up disabling that feature for the Logitech, the new Logitech wheels. And uh, David Tucker, he's uh, posted in the forums. He's an iRacing staff member. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry we had to do this, but we have to turn this thing off. It's causing way too many crashes for a lot of members. And uh, they're going to be working on a, on a hot fix for it. And as soon as, soon as they get that thing figured out, they're going to – uh, turn it back on. So if you're using a Logitech TrueForce right now, it's not going to be working properly until they get that crash resolved. False report. False report. False force, I guess, now, eh? Yeah, this is not the first time that they've had issues with a Logitech TrueForce. They, they had to do that one time before in uh, Season 1 where, the, where it was not working proper. Now, I've not looked into, like, obviously, I'm a fan of tech driver so obviously i don't know a lot about the logitech stuff in the background there but is this true for something really radical that or is it just software based that's causing all these issues i would opt to say it's probably software issues but it's you know it's kind of odd that you know you'd have a software is it so much different than any of the other stuff that any of the other companies use like there's so many different companies out there it's weird that this this true force with logitech which is been doing this for a long time you'd think it would would work would wouldn't you yeah i would say it's probably either a parameter mix uh, mishap or an encoder issues yeah the, the true force uh is is fair is new to the latest um wheelbase that they came out with so that hasn't been around very long logitech obviously has been but but this new true force uh software uh hasn't been hasn't been around for very long at all. And uh, apparently iRacing's been having some issues with it, some conflicts or something that it's been crashing. Because um, 
I think this is the second time I remember seeing them having Logic True Force issues. So speaking of Logitech and all the other brands out there and the spectrum of uh, lower end hardware and higher end hardware, we have some advice from a member to buy the good stuff. And uh, Greg's going to elaborate on that. So I'm guessing, obviously, yeah, iRacing, a mem- or an iRacing member, Justin Hill, posted on the Sim Racing Build Facebook page, um, kind of just giving some advice. Um, when you're started building your a, a rig, um, start off with getting some of the better stuff if you can. I'm guessing what he's saying is, you know, you can start off with the cheaper stuff, but it, it is what... What I'm gathering here is he, he's saying it because you want to upgrade so quickly after you've bought something. It, it's where you're going to start saving yourself money as if you can do it, spend the money earlier than later because you're just going to end up doubling up pieces of your product, like p- things that you've got on um, racing-wise. So if you buy a wheel and you want to buy something better, you know you've, that's two wheels now that you've bought. And um, I, I mean, I see what he's saying. Um, but some people just don't have that kind of means, though, either, right? Well, there's the, the you can come down to the means, and also, how do you know that you're going to end up being that passionate about it when you're first starting? Uh, I don't tell my beginning band students go get, go out and buy a box Stradivarius trumpet when you're in seventh grade, and you might quit in six months, right? We we have them on a on about a six hundred dollar quality beginner level horn. Right. So if you don't know that sim racing is going to become something you stick with for 10 years, you may not want to dump three thousand dollars into into hardware when you first start. I, I actually just had a former student recently start iRacing and he, he was asking me some of the cheaper brand stuff to do because he doesn't know how much time he's going to put into it or if it's and if it's going to become his main thing. Right. Uh, for us it has become our main thing and then we can start bumping some money in it. So it's a good idea if you know, yeah, this is the, this is where I'm going. But when you're, when you're just trying something out, maybe not, maybe you don't need a direct drive wheel when you're first starting iRacing and you don't know if it's going to be something you spend two or three or four or 10 years running. See the, when I first started racing, I had, uh, probably a, a lower brand Logitech or Thrustmaster. I think it was a Thrustmaster old wheel that we got. That was like one of those rubber band, um, non-force feedback rims. Like the Ferrari. Or, yeah, something back then, and that's what I started off with when I originally started racing and I racing. But then I took a break for a couple for about a year, year and a half. And when I knew I wanted to come back, that's when I dumped. A whole bunch of money into because I already obviously knew what I was getting myself into so I dumped a bunch of money into Fanatec stuff but um, the reason this guy is posting it, it it's kind of obviously what we were saying is he got addicted to it the reason he's both making this post is he, he bought a Thrustmaster uh, he started off with Thrustmaster TP or T3PA Pro pedals then he bought the Thrustmaster base uh, then he got a GT rim. Um, then he got the Thrustmaster uh, TC or TLCM pedals. Then he went to Fanatic, and so on and so on. And this is what happens with every sim racer. We upgrade all the time. You, you know, we're always you know, there's always something you're going to do. But I mean, Brian, in the time that we've known you, 
your rig has gone crazy and as it is um, with some of the stuff too. But I, I don't agree with telling somebody to buy expensive stuff if you don't know if you're going to like this. Because how many people back then or back in um, March of last year got into iRacing under that three-month promo promotion, raced for a bit, and then didn't didn't race for very long after that. They didn't like it or something. Imagine if you spent a whole bunch of money and you weren't using it for anything. It kind of kind of seems like a waste. So you, everybody's different. Yeah, and um, another thing is, uh, you know, we have opportunities now with like the thing that um, they just started with Parker Klingerman, where they have uh, trading websites now where you can go to, you know, if you if you're ready to upgrade and you still have your older system, it still works okay. You can get a few bucks for it, um, you know, and uh, every little bit can help towards upgrading your stuff. So. I kind of I kind of agree with David that if you if you don't know this is going to be your thing, don't go don't go crazy right off the bat. You know, get in it, make sure that's what you want to do before you really start to uh, upgrade. You know, it's maybe you're buying things twice. You know, because you're you've been upgrading. Now, if if you want to go from your entry level thing to a high end thing and not and skip over some of the middle steps. Yeah, maybe that would be a good idea, uh, but I, I I don't see going hog wild on some of this stuff until you know that's what you want to do. All right, we have time for one more quick hit topic that's a little time sensitive, so we'll jump on that. We actually don't usually get to cover these very often because they tend to happen at the beginning of the week when we're about to record our show, but we do have another service interruption coming up. It's going to be on April 20th, though, at 9 a.m., They'll be down for a deployment, and it's probably, it's patch four, so it should be a pretty quick deployment. They usually throw up test drive when they're doing that, so if you want a chance to try out some of the other cars, go for it. And um, we'll, be, we'll be waiting for all of the mini posts on uh, all the iRacing face groups asking, why is the server down? All right. Let's move on to fantasy. Tony usually is here to cover that, but Brian, just give us a quick hit from the uh race this weekend and maybe our top five in standings i sucked that's the quick hit for me <laughs> almost sucked as bad as i did so you're you're okay greg uh but rest dog now is in the lead at 1488 points uh just in time number nine is uh just behind him about uh 41 points back uh i rating keeps suffering that's a good name uh, he's in third place. Uh, oh, baby, forty-four is in fourth, and GI Jojo, who started off the season uh, with a big lead, has actually dropped all the way to fifth. So uh, that's where the top five stands. Uh, Greg, you're sitting in at uh, P11, which I is moved okay. Down to eleventh. I was in ninth. Okay, before. well, you're, you're still there. you're still on the front page. I'm not even on the second page. I. As soon as those cars came off that corner and got all that that wreck, that that was basically my uh, my picks yeah. right there, all on screen. <laughs> so uh, Mike uh, Mike is just sitting at fourteenth. Uh, Tony Rochette is in fifteenth, and Chris Gale sixteenth. Uh, uh, Tony Groves seventeenth place, so he's returning champion all the way down in seventeenth. I know he likes to save a lot of his pick for the second half of the season, so. Uh, look for him to, to make a late run. 
That'll be interesting. Yeah. Don't forget to get your picks in if uh, you're participating in the league. And that'll move us to podcast. Podcast. I'm a pod, I'm blah, 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 blah. I could cut that if I wanted to, but we, yeah, I know you guys enjoy hearing all of our, our cleanliness. Podcast housekeeping notes. Uh, don't forget, we have our sister podcast, the Aftermath Podcast. Get it. They run, their, they run an independent feed. We uh, have our new website. The leave Tony, comments. Go is ahead. Tony Rochette's feed independent or quiet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, new website. Leave comments at irisslounge.com. We'd also like to thank Midwest Simulations for helping out the service. He's one, they're one of our supporters. You've heard us talk about them. They're one of those that. Uh, Let's see. Those of us that that have them here at iRacers Now have absolutely loved them. Um, we've enjoyed that they've become an affiliate. We uh, and they're rolling out their new Spotlights Pro. Here's your chance to check them out, and you won't be disappointed. You can enter the coupon code iRacers Lounge for ten percent off. And I'm still running the beta test uh, Spotlights in my EVR because they're getting the job done. I've been very happy with them. I feel lost if for some reason I forget to turn them on. We are in regular rotation on the Performance Motor Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. And we're going to move on now to hardware and software. And it looks like I have the first one. And this one we almost covered last week. So I still remember looking at it from last week. We have the Inato wheel. Uh, it's a GT3 style steering wheel and it's compatible with Logitech and Fanatec and Thrustmaster and OSW. Um, you do have to get an adapter for each of the wheelbases. It's loaded with buttons. Um, got the pedals on the outside. I do believe it has analog clutch pedals as well. So you can set up your double clutch point if you like to run that way. Got a few, got knobs in the middle as well. So it's an, it's a nice looking GT three format wheel uh, it would definitely get the job done in any of your road racing as well so the most expensive sim seat ever brian is this your seat or a seat you might have no I told you i got the nrg <laughs> <laughs> um there were <laughs> this this is an interesting seat uh so the recaro podium uh is the the name of the seat obviously uh so it's basically their caro brand um the lightweight cfrb so it's a carbon fiber reinforced polymer shell seat design for real sim racing cars and sells for around 2600 pounds now if you're uh looking at it link won't open up for me anyways if you're looking at it it's basically a a, a very simple seat but it's obviously designed to be comfortable and um looks obviously lightweight i don't know in sim racing with lightweight really is gonna benefit you but in real life obviously you want light seats um for racing but it does look very comfortable reinforced foam um and uh it looks like it comes with the bracket for mounting it and everything uh as well but a 2600 pound seat I don't know if you want to drop that kind of cash on a seat. If that's that kind of seat, I wonder what that MPI seat that Mike's looking into is going to be. Probably half that. Well, that's uh, $3,500 in uh, U.S. dollars. 
So that's a that's an expensive seat. This is a, you know this is a real seat you would put in a real race car, obviously. Um, so I don't, I don't understand why you would need this in your in your sim rig. Uh, it's not going to give you any advantage as far as the weight or anything like that, obviously. Um, and that's why I like my NRG seat. It's 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 not rated to be like a real race car seat, but for a, a knockoff of a real race car seat, it's pretty dang close. And for a sim rig, it's perfect. You know, it's under five hundred dollars. So now, Recaro, the Recaro brand. Um, obviously, I'm familiar with it because uh, my own personal, my vehicle, my personal vehicle has these seat, these kind of seats in them. Um, it's a very good branded company. Um, there's they make really high end seats for. The automotive industry um so there's no doubt that this would be a very comfortable racing seat i just don't know if you can justify that cost at any point for a seat um, but if you're going to use it for your own personal vehicle maybe i wouldn't see why not it's got it all set up for five point and six point harnesses um so i wouldn't uh definitely an option i guess kyle tell us a little bit about the huskinvilles all right, yeah. Um, well, good news. Um, no more having to wait for a uh, shipment order on the Huskenveld's uh, Spirit or Sprint Three and Two pedal sets, clutches, and base plates. They now have immediate shipping through the U.S. Uh, through the Sim Motion website. Uh, they finally got a U.S. distributor, so no more having to wait, you know, weeks to months for them to come in. That's one of the biggest issues with ordering SIM hardware is the wait time. Well, and SIM hardware, like, I don't, I, the states you guys don't have as much of a problem. In Canada, it's really hard to find a distributor alone here, but the distributors here in Canada, they jack the prices up because they got to bring them all in from other places as well. So, you know, these costs to ship to Canada or, you know, for where I'm from, are astronomical with conversion rates and duty and all that stuff. I said duty. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, these, you know, wait times and stuff like that, David's right, though. It's like there's we ship all around the world and, you know, it's expensive to do some of this stuff, sim stuff. Yeah, well, see, like my wheel, um, it took it literally a month the day for me to get it uh and it was literally in the state next door to indiana it was in ohio but they literally had to build this as parts came in and then ship it to me and it was it was torture waiting you know a month after i just spent thirteen hundred dollars on a wheel can i tell you about the dd1 experience does it and include like, a free formula wheel uh yeah but it also included a four-month wait <laughs> Because they backordered them, like the day after I ordered them. Yeah, but at least you had something to race with in the meantime. Yeah, in fact, what I ended up doing was getting the, um, I, I bought a CSL, I guess, the simplest CSL, and ran that, and then turned around and sold that to a to an ex-teammate. What a waste. That's uh kind of ties into one of the story earlier that we were talking about with the, uh, you know, start with the, whether you start with the cheap stuff or or not. Well, a lot of this uh, higher end stuff is not as easily available as uh, as the 
stuff that you can get at the big box stores. You know, you can go to the store right now and buy a Logitech, but uh, if you want a DD2 wheelbase with a certain type of rim, you might be waiting a couple months. Add to that, uh, you know, I mentioned selling one of the lower end items. Those higher end items are probably harder to uh, harder to unload as well on the secondary market. Well, and all the manufacturers with electronic stuff in general with COVID and stuff like that, it's getting harder depending on where you're getting it from in the world too, right? Yeah, there's been supply chain issues uh, on a lot of this high on, on a lot of this type of stuff that's not mass produced. Um, so yeah, you're right, Greg. Uh, there's there's been a lot of production problems, a lot of uh, delivery issues with with this stuff, and um, it's, it hasn't cleared up yet, obviously. But and, um, so, and yeah. sometimes sometimes you get a purple seat. That's right. Well, right along those same lines, this next item, Brian, isn't available now. They've already sold out, and it's not available till June sixth. But we do have a review of the DK three DOF DK two. Yeah, this is from Sigma Integrale, or Integral, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It's the DK2 3 Degree of Freedom motion system, and uh, it's reviewed on the Sim Racing Garage by our, our good friend Barry Rowland. And uh, yeah, he, uh, he does this typical awesome review where he breaks it down to its component atoms and uh, really goes through this thing uh, quite, a, quite a good bit. Um, I, I went on their website, and yes, they are sold out till June six. So they are—they're not ready to ship out anytime, any anytime soon. So it's just another supply chain type of issue, I'm sure, with those. Um, so it's a—it's a—it's uh, a motion system that uh, just bolts right onto an eighty twenty rig. Uh, uh, it was very easy to bolt on. Barry says, and uh, from his video, yeah, it's—it's it's simple, simple bolt on to your to your eighty twenty. Uh, he he describes it as a plug and play um, system where it's really easy to set up. You pretty much just attach your uh, actuators, you plug it in, and you're ready to go. So uh, he was he was a uh, highly complimentary with how easy it was to set up and how quick you could get it into this thing. Um, it is a 50 millimeter actuator, so the travel on it is a 50 millimeter, which is a little over two inches. Uh, which is actually on the little bit on the smaller side as far as actuator movement, so it's not quite give you that big long range like one of those 130 ones will do, where it really can uh, has a long stroke in the uh, in the actuator. So uh, it's a little short. He he did mention how quick it responded to the uh, to the sim hardware. You know. Uh, Everything everything felt really quick and live. Now this company, uh, Sigma Integrale, they're they're actually known for doing full scale um, motion on like uh, on a full size cars and stuff, commercial stuff. So uh, they've been around a while doing motion systems on full size vehicles. So uh, they really know their stuff as far as that goes. Uh, they come in at forty nine hundred dollars, which for a uh, motion system is fairly reasonable i believe you know compared to like your d boxes which which are over 10 grand or whatever um these these things uh, are priced fairly well and uh so overall he he thought the uh software needed a little bit of fine tuning that's not a big deal and uh and thought they were uh for the in the price range it's a pretty solid product 
So, Greg, this next item looks like the place to go anywhere you need to. Um, if you hear the laughing in the background, I just it's us being it's the chat is pretty hilarious right now. And even though our video didn't work tonight because of some website issues. Yeah, we, I'm glad it's it still handy. Yeah, it's us not having adult supervision. <laughs> it is. Chris Scales would be really proud of us right now. <laughs> Anyways, this next item, though, uh, Greg, it looks really handy if you just want a place to throw off, throw together all this stuff that we cover all the time. We almost need this as a permanent link on our show. Maybe even a sponsor. I was going to say future sponsor. I was going to say, so this is kind of like the Sears catalog, but this is the Sim Racing catalog or Simware catalog. So basically, it's a place to go to find whatever you're looking for. It's kind of... Um, now, is this for newer stuff? See, I was curious if it is software-based also, so for like your third-party add-ons. Okay, so it's showing, I'm just looking through here. I just wanted to click on some stuff. So you got pedals, and it brings you to stuff. So it's obviously new stuff. So this is kind of like the, the other version of what uh, Parker Kligerman and them are doing. They're doing the uh, a site where they're getting all the people that are selling their stuff um, together, where this is... You know, it brings all the, you can, you know, brands can go to this site and advertise their product on here, I guess. Um, basically buying ad space, it kind of looks like. Um, I don't know if that's the case that you have to pay, pay for it, but at least you have, there's, um, it kind of, it's kind of like when you get the weekly flyer for uh, uh, your favorite store, you can go per perusing through it to uh, to find whatever you need. And hopefully you got the uh, brands that uh, you want in here, but this kind of is a great idea and the bigger it gets the it can only be you know the best way to quickly look for something and and get, compare prices too i guess that would be the big thing on it too is you can in a category you can uh compare uh something you're looking for uh easier that way i guess so essentially what you have is what we would call a hardware aggregate we got time for two more quick hits. Uh, one of them, I was going to just do one more, but the second one is a follow-up on a story we did last week, so we want to make sure we touch on that one. Uh, but first, listener Scott Russ has, has sent us in a, a neat little website. Scott Ross, not Russ. Um, and it's a link for LeBois, LeBois, LeBois that, that I'm not Canadian, sorry. LeBois Racing, which offers 3D printed parts for sim racers. I took a look. We have a link to the website and uh, some hardware analysis. And these are not just um, generic 3D parts. It's like actual gear boxes that you can assemble and stuff. It's pretty interesting. Clutches, uh, the whole nine yards. It's a whole lot of 3D printed hardware that you could go. I bet you uh, Tony would have a blast with this one if he was here. So you can check that out on our script or lebois-racing.fr and then slash en if you don't want to read it in French. And then, Brian, we have a quick update on the Q3s that we looked at last week. Yeah, so uh, we looked at these pedals last week. They're the Q3 SimSport pedals. Um, they were uh, they're just coming out for the first time. And if you remember, they're the ones that had the Leo Bodner load cells and the Wheelwood uh, uh, brake pedals and stuff like that. Um, so um, it, it looked very promising. Uh, Mike uh, was actually on the forums and uh, asked in the thread, who makes these? What company makes these? And uh, he got a response from uh, Brad uh, Brad Pugmire. 
who says, hey, it's me. I own this company. I just started it up. Uh, we've got about six units that have been sent out so far, and everybody who's got them has just loved them. So uh, it's just a startup company. Uh, apparently, Brad is a, is a iRacer because he was in the forums, and uh, they're just starting up. Uh, everybody's loved them so far, and, you know, we were actually really impressed with the components they were using with the Wheelwood and the Leo Bodner stuff. So, uh, yeah, so if you're looking for new pedals, uh, these look like they might be a, a good deal to start with. Mike, uh, Mike's not far from Utah's. Mike's probably the closest one to Utah, isn't he? Probably in our group, yeah. He should have uh, asked to see if he could test some. <laughs> there you go. It's still quite a drive that even though it's not as populated in the middle of that part of the country, it's all spread out. That's why you got to get a guy in a brown suit and a brown van to drive it for it, to, to move it for you. Or a white suit and a purple, <laughs> or a white, a purple suit and a white uh, box truck. With purple shag carpet? That's the Coanda car. Warm. It's time to talk some results, and we're going to open up with Friday Open at Martinsville. I skipped this race and ran the team uh, practice race at Daytona to get ready for the sponsor event. Mike Ellis, he uh, ran P15. He was top five for most of the race. Got ran over with about 10 laps to go, which put him at 17X. Uh, the guy who won led every lap and actually ran without pitting. He, they had so many cautions that he basically stretched his fuel for 250 laps. And I actually don't have any other results from P10. Friday. P10. I finished go. P10 on uh, Friday. I was two laps down because of black flags uh, from someone running into the back of me multiple times. Like the the, the it's way too. I, I can't understand why Martinsville couldn't have been set up the way that Dirt Bristol was set up. It's way too easy to get an X like four X there. A short track should be like two X's, but it's just a bad race. Like <laughs> it was one of the most un. It was like, I think we had 21 cautions and it, it's just not fun. Martinsville was not fun. It, it kind of makes you not want to race um, the sim that week. Every, listening to you guys on the Wednesday night talk, it's like, do I really want to run this Friday night and spend most of my night sitting here running around at slow pace? If I want to do that, I, I should have just become the pace car driver. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about it as we get into the Sunday open as well. But X's were an issue. I do wonder, though, if you made it harder to get the X's at that track as bad as everybody was driving, if it would have been even more of a caution fest because it would take so much longer for people to get queued out. Um, the, the problem was just that everybody was driving so over their heads that uh, people who were not involved in it were getting DQ'd out and it was more crowded than Bristol was uh, in Bristol a lot of times you could mess up and still just kind of slide up around the track uh, it, especially the way the dirt was you got away with it just even though there was a caution fest it was worse at Martinsville and um, Kyle you set the record I thought we had set the record with top split on Wednesday night <laughs> but tell us about your race all right, so uh, started P17, got involved with some minor bumping, uh, nothing really too bad. Uh, worked my way back up to the uh, to the lead, but couldn't hold the lead on <clears throat> on old tires. Uh, the field just came for me within about three laps. They were out on my tail. 
Uh, so I fell back to 13th and got DQ'd on the last lap on a green-white checker to finish P9 with a total, and I mean a total, of 34 cautions. I couldn't even give you the lap count on that. It was over 100. It, it was very depressing. Our 30 cautions on Wednesday was um, was rough. And you mentioned not wanting to, to run the service. I mean, when have you known me to skip an NIS race, Greg? I was going to say, when have you known to skip a race that you could possibly <laughs> be for? Because I average one a week. You average, you add a zero on the end of that, and you average about 10 a week. Yeah, probably about 10. But I just didn't... I. Uh, I didn't think I was going to run it, and Tony was like, hey, let's practice for our, our team event. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we had more fun doing that, for sure. Sure did. I did uh, I did go ahead and get up Sunday morning. I didn't set the alarm, but I was like, well, I usually wake up early anyway, so if I woke up in time, I was going to run it. And I did. So I I was running top five, but just because of unavoidable accidents and, you know, whether it's somebody spinning right in front of me or getting rear-ended, um, I, got a, I got my last X coming to a green-white checkered, and uh, boom, it dropped me back to 14th or maybe 17th. I actually don't remember. I did learn something on this, uh, though. There was about four of us on that last caution that got knocked into the drive-thru. Two, guy, two or three guys went ahead and served the penalty, even though it was green-white checkered. I finished the lap out, and boom, um, they all finished just in front of me. So it looks like, at least at short tracks, it is better to go ahead and serve the penalty than, than to take the resulting penalty from not serving it, even though you're going to run out of laps. Uh, moves us on to Sunday Fixed. Uh, Mike had a DNF. He had a problem with the calibration of his brakes. They wouldn't go. He would push 100% down, but only get 60%. So he kept racking at four X's and just parked it. Uh, Tyler ran his first race in the A car at Martinsville, and he snagged a top 10. Not much racing, but a whole lot of surviving. 30 cautions for 150 laps. So that sounds like a blast, doesn't it? Uh, he had close great racing at the end for a strong finish and came out with only 10 X. I chose I chose sleep on Sunday morning rather than getting up for this. I was normally I'd run Sunday morning and I chose sleep <laughs> this week. That's how bad Martinsville is. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, and I will actually alarm clock for it and I just turned it off. But it's it's 9 a.m. and I very rarely sleep to 9 a.m. It's, it's a part of being an old geezer. Don't don't get out late or don't get up late. All right, moves us on to Richmond. Richmond's been a lot nicer. Uh, Wednesday open, I ran uh, and had a successful run. Uh, P3, uh, the car was fast. I did. I had several of the last restarts from the outside of the front, and uh, I was kind of in the same position as as Garrett Maines was in the Coke race. It was but the last one, I spun the tires on the last restart. Uh, and lost one spot, ended up finishing P3, and none of us had anything for the P1 guy. At one point, I was as far back as uh, as uh, 28th and came up through the field. It was nice to be able to do that. Kyle, um, how was your race? Um, sorry, I'm re- I was reading something. Which one are we on again? We're on the Wednesday Open, and you're showing okay, a P20- yeah. P30? Yeah, man. Oh, it, was, it started out really good. Um, I qualified P12, uh, ran top five until lap 93 when I got loose off turn two, 
and this is by my own doings. I just uh, I was too heavy in the throttle, and uh, actually lost control and drove right into the outside wall, bounced back, took out two other cars, and it ended my race for me. I ended up with the P30, and just uh, kind of rage quitting after that. And Mike was just getting caught up in people's junk. Uh, he went out with five to go. He had 12x by lap 20, and he had good speed, but just kept getting caught up in other people's mess. Uh, it's more short track racing. You know, it wasn't wasn't as bad as Martinsville, but if you're in the wrong place, you could get caught up in it. Uh, I felt it was a little bit easier to pass for some of us. Excuse me, it, a lot of easier for us to pass than some of the than the pro racers, just because there's not as many guys that are used to having to drive the lower downforce package at a short track. That covers the rest of the NIS. I don't. Uh, none of us ran today. Don't have any new information on official, so that moves us down down to the league results. What do we see first? We ran Pacific Majors, didn't we, Greg? We'll get the bad news out of the way first. Uh, P31 and P14. I had a really good race running, and uh, just I got dumped by a guy, and uh, it was it was a clear dump, plain and simple. And the second race, I didn't get dumped. That guy wrecked out of the second race fairly early, and. Um, Greg, did you get dumped? Yeah, at some point in that race, I did get dumped on the second race. First race, uh, and me and Kyle were in this race together. Um, that was <laughs> an interesting race, the first the first one. Um, there's some real interesting drivers that race in the Sportsman 2. Um, but uh, I, I finished P2 in Heat 1. Um, I was running down the leader. I just ran out of time, and then heat uh, heat two. I won. Uh, I won in convincing fashion too, um, and ended up uh, winning it overall. I guess with the average there, because the winner of the first race crashed out of the second one. Yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that if we hadn't gotten so many cautions, you probably would have ran away with a several second lead. Yeah, even up in pro split, they were. It was a caution fest and just a, a lot of sloppy driving. This the majors runs all a, a, a suite of all of the major races through all the different disciplines. So you got a lot of road racers trying to run oval. Um, and say what you want, it is a different skill set, and not every road racer makes a good oval driver. They they just don't have the right mentality of taking multiple laps to make a pass. Um, and they'll come up on you and expect to be either let by uh, or they'll block in the wrong situations. Uh, it, it, it just, this usually ends up being the worst race of the season every year is the, is the short track uh, oval car. Well, and the thing that I found, like I was talking to uh, Morley, one of our teammates after this race, and the one thing I learned, I found when I was racing this car is the... Uh, tour modified there was a point where you know the set was the set was pretty good that we had um and i had loosened it up a bit but the way that that car drove around uh new hampshire there i kind of learned about what makes me feel more comfortable drive I, i'm hoping it can i can translate it into a cup car because the way that that car was driving i felt like i could i could i knew where i was what could get into the corner and, and it could be just the car, but the feeling that I was getting as I was driving that car and the way that everything was set up, I want to try and get that feel in a cup car 
and see how it races because man did it feel good to to run uh, run like that because that car was on rails it was it was rotating right off the right rear tire the way i wanted it to and um definitely uh definitely was fast yeah i felt good in the car too it doesn't and as far as feel it didn't feel that different than a cup car except much lower horsepower you know lower speed uh, so it wasn't quite on it quite as on edge uh trail braking was pretty handy for me uh and I was, you know, up there with all the big boys running, running fairly well for a while there. I was actually trying to set up a pass on Christian Chandler, and that that's usually just a pretty surreal feeling. Um, different package, but yeah, we got through there. Uh, on Monday nights, uh, we have the fast track uh, sim racing thing, and quite a few of us are running this now. Mike had a P5. He ran top 10 most of the race. The winder ended up not pitting on for the last half of the race. And he feels like Mike feels like he might have lost it on strategy. Mike Morley had a DNF. Don't really have any details. And then there's an oh, then we moved to UCRA Chicago. Mike had a P6, and um, I didn't end up running it this week. Okay, and I don't see anything for uh, OBRL. Mike, Brian, were they off this week? No, they uh, they raced Arca at. Um, uh, Nashville. They were at Nashville for the ARCA and for the trucks, actually, but I was just uh, too busy this week to uh, to make it. I missed a couple races earlier in the season when I was having a headset issue, so I'm not pressing myself to make some of these races when I got a lot of stuff to do. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder the home of online sim racing leagues okay time for final thoughts we'll open them with brian well um and we had a lot of fun at that uh grid finder race that was a saturday afternoon started at two o'clock um it was broadcasted uh and uh we actually uh, got a little screen time we had a couple good runs um david uh david and uh Tony and Kyle and I all ran it together. We kind of had a strategy of uh, sitting in the back for at least the first half of the race uh, because uh, with two resets, we knew that people were probably going to be a little reckless and careless at first, knowing that they have that uh, to fall back on. And uh, it probably did help us early in the run. Uh, then uh, about three quarters of the way through, we started to make our way towards the front best we could uh it was a uh, two lanes and it was really hard to pass hard to move our way up once we got stalled out um and at some point you just had to had to push three wide uh david was leading on that and uh started pushing three wide to move up and uh just people weren't holding their lines well enough to really be able to run like that and uh just started causing issues we started getting some uh some getting involved in, in wrecks and it's kind of ended like that for most of us. I think Tony, did the best out of everyone, because when we started pushing forward, he laid back a little bit and, uh, and wound up 
serving him pretty good because he was able to avoid some of the messes that we wound up getting ourselves into. But it was still a lot of fun. Uh, Grid Finder was held a, held a really good race. I watched. I later watched the uh, broadcast on their um, Twitch channel, and it was pretty well run. So uh, I'm happy to do it. I hope they have more, and uh, we'll try it again next time. Yeah, the team got some good coverage on the show as well, too. I was told. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, actually, they followed a whole whole lap of my qualifying, which was actually pretty embarrassing. We didn't have a very good qualifying set. I wound up uh, doing pretty poor into qualifying. Greg, how about you? Final thoughts? Uh, kind of looking forward to, you guys kind of got me pumped for uh, Friday night for the Richmond race. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, saying the set's pretty good this week. Um, I don't think we have any, there's no majors race this weekend. Um, just get, maybe do some more racing this weekend. I just finding time I've worked so much this week. I'm at 51 hours worth work this week and I've only worked four days so far. So I got one more day or one more day left and it's going to be a long week. I'm, I can't wait for the weekend, but, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, I can, uh, get into, get in a good finish at Richmond tomorrow. Kyle. Um, my final thought is, uh, actually the open wheel series, uh, league that I had created, uh, went ahead and canceled that uh, due to lack of interest. Uh, I only had three drivers total. So uh, looking to actually start a tour modified league. Um, not too sure when that was going to get taken off or whatnot, but uh, when I have some more information, I want to let it be known to everybody that there will be a tour modified league coming up here pretty soon. All right, and my, my, my final thoughts are, holy cow, I hosted the show, and I, I don't think I completely wrecked the ship. And actually, it was quite fun. Uh, I generally probably function better as a color guy, but we had a blast. I may not be able to pronounce French words, but I enjoyed working with you guys. I always love doing the podcast. And um, the stuff that, that, that I'm seeing on, the, this, on di- our video chat right now is it, um, it's not age appropriate. Well, no, it is age appropriate. It's, not, it's definitely not a family show. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't have the stream going today. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, this was fun. Uh, I'm enjoying Richmond. Something has flipped. Something has flipped. It has always been one of my worst tracks. Um, and Martinsville was never never that great for me. Phoenix. Oh, I used to hate Phoenix. And yet those have been my two best tracks this year. So I don't know. I don't know what's different, but I'm, I'm running really well there and can't do squat at the mile and a half. Uh, but still having fun. I managed to move up to the front page of the Division One, which kind of blew my mind. I'm actually running higher overall this year than I did last year. Uh, so having a blast. Thanks for for hosting the show. Thanks to you guys for joining me. We should have Mike back next week. It depends on how his hunting trip goes over in Wisconsin. I thought he went clubbing baby seals, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he's in the slammer. Um... There's just too many places to go with that. (laughs) And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.